Praise the Lord from Pastor Strader at Lighthouse Church. Thanks for connecting with us through our podcast. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you as we try to reach, equip, and mobilize Jesus' name disciples in Apache Junction, Arizona, and the surrounding region. Enjoy today's podcast and come back often. God bless you. We love you. Hallelujah. One more time, lift your hands toward heaven if you would and just love the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God for his grace, for his mercy. Praise God. Praise God. As you open your Bibles this morning to the book of James chapter 4, and we're going to turn to the sixth verse. Praise God. So thankful for the opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord. He didn't have to let me live, but he chose to. Amen. Amen. God is so faithful to us. Even when we're perhaps not as faithful to him. Let me just say this. He's a lot more faithful to me than I am to him. Amen. I said he's a lot more faithful to me than I am to him. And I'm striving my best. I'm doing my best to be faithful. But you just can't outgive. You can't outdo God. He's a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. Amen. James chapter number 4, and we'll start reading at verse 10. We won't read very long, but just a couple of verses there. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Perhaps you've come here this morning wondering how to be lifted up. Well, the Word of God gives us direct directions to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Amen. I want to teach on this morning the discipline of humility. The discipline of humility. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. There is a uh, fine line between the true principles of humility, and the exhibition of false pride masquerading as humility. Let me reword that. I said there's a difference in knowing humility and then putting on a facade of humility. I've said this before and I heard it and it it really did convict me uh, because I heard it preached that sometimes someone say, you did such a great job singing, or what a great, they give you, an, uh, 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 they give you accolades. They will honor you. They'll say, you did such a great job. And you know, I've been guilty of this. Well, it wasn't me. It was, all, it was God. Well, sure it was God. But there was an element of your flesh involved in what you have did, what you just did. And when uh, we need to be, we really need to learn how to take uh, praise. But what I heard preached and taught, and it convicted me, is that when we, we began to dismiss 
the realities, it's really veiled arrogance. Mm. Veiled arrogance. And surely uh, anything we do, we give glory to God. Because he's the one that gives strength. He's the one that gives ability. And all honor and glory belongs to Jesus Christ. Right? But being humble does not dismiss the, the, the idea that you opened yourself to be used of God. Right? And so there is a difference. There is a fine line between those true principles and the idea of kind of putting on a facade of humility. Uh, there's a lot of people who say they're humble and it is just a facade. In fact, I will tell you that most of the people that say they're humble, uh, they're not humble at all. Well, I'm, I'm just as humble as you. No, that's not humility. If you have to tell somebody that you're humble, you have, you're completely in the wrong uh, region of, of reality. Uh, that's not humility. Uh, let me tell you what humility is not. Humility is not degrading yourself. We need to understand that we are children of the king. Now, and again, while we don't give ourselves praises or accolades or honor, we give glory all to God, uh, we need to be very careful that we don't speak negatively about the sons and the daughters of God. Well, hallelujah. I may just preach this morning. But we need to be careful how we speak about ourselves and the things that we say to ourselves. I, I don't think we ought to turn look in the mirror and say, man, you are the ugliest person. I don't believe that. Now, I don't believe you should look at the mirror and be like, man, you're the best thing since sliced bread. God did a great thing when he, when he created you. You're, you. you're just, man. I don't believe that either. But I, do, I truly don't believe that we ought to look and, and start talking negatively about ourselves because when you are serving God and you begin to talk negatively about yourself, you're talking about one of God's children. And we wouldn't talk about somebody else that way. Why do we talk about ourselves that way? Oh, because I'm humble. No, no, that's not, that's not humility at all. That's lack of confidence. That's a lack of, that's a lack of appreciation for what God has done. Listen, I'm not what I want to be, but I'm definitely not what I used to be. And I thank God for all that he's done. And I, I'm a work in progress. But I'm not going to look at my life and say, well, God's really, when we begin to negatively talk about ourselves, we're really saying God's not done much. Okay, we'll move on. Romans 12 and 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. First uh, Peter said, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Because utility runs counter, or humility runs counter to human nature, humbling oneself takes purposeful action. It's something that we have to do every day. Because this flesh wants to exalt itself. This flesh wants to uh, 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 honor itself. And so we have to crucify the flesh every day. Amen. When used as a verb, the word humble describes the action of striving to achieve humility. It is truly something that I'm working on. 
Now, I got to tell you, uh, I'm not one to really preach or teach on humility, even though I feel that's what God wanted me to talk about. I don't feel qualified, if you will, to talk about humility because it's not something that I have perfected. But there's a lot of things I have not perfected. And so I'm preaching or teaching to myself first and you second, as always. And so don't, don't take it as I'm, uh, I'm, I've, I've achieved this. But uh, we have to achieve humility every day. It's something that we actively have to make aware in our mind. It means that we don't have it figured out yet. I don't have it figured out yet. And so there's going to be times where you and I, that pride will get the best of us. That ego is going to get the best, best of us. And we're going to have to repent of our pride. We're going to have to repent of that humanity that is shining through. Because it's very easy for that carnality to rise up again because it is baked into the DNA of a human, a human being to want to exalt itself, to want to think of itself more highly than it ought to think. This is the ultimate problem with our world today is they want to be God. They want to exalt themselves to a position of God and it's their life, it's their way, it's, you know, like that song, you know, it's, I did it my way. Hey, I don't want to do it my way. I got to do it God's way. His way is best. He knows what, what, where I should go. He knows what I should do and what I shouldn't do. He knows what positions I'll get and won't get. He knows the titles that I'll get and won't get. It doesn't matter to me. That is ultimately what humility is, is crucifying pride every day. Every day. Now, some people may deal with pride it may be harder for them than others. But I can tell you, everybody under the sound of my voice deals with pride in some way or another. Taking such life-changing action requires one to reevaluate the verbs by which he or she lives life. Bolsters, bolsters must learn a new vocabulary. If they are to pursue humility, they must change their sentence structures. Oh, yeah, we got to be aware of how we talk how we talk about things. They need to learn to speak and to live in ways that exalt Jesus Christ rather than themselves. Someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. To God be the glory. Thank you. I received that compliment, but to God be the glory. Surely it was you that did it, but God gave you the ability to do it. To God be the glory. Amen. We've got to change our, our, how we word things because it reflects what's on the inside. And I'm not talking about putting on a facade, but I'm talking about being intentional about humility. Even Jesus humbled himself in the garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, nevertheless, not my will in Luke 22, but thine be done. He was active. Surely his pride, surely that carnality was rising up in him. He did not want to do what was about to happen. But he had that word, nevertheless. No matter what happens, I'm going to do it. No matter what happens, I'm going to crucify this pride. Pride would say, I want to send angels to destroy everyone that is laughing and mocking me. But humility says, that's not my purpose. My purpose is the cross. My purpose is resurrection. My purpose is everlasting life for humanity. That is what I'm here for. And so I will humble myself. I'm, I, I, there's no man that I know, maybe there, are, there is, but none that I know, that would willfully want to strip themselves in front of people and hang on a cross for people that are mocking and laughing at him. 
But God said, I've got to do this. I've got to put this flesh into subjection to the will of God. Nevertheless, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Humility is the quality or state of being humble in spirit, freedom from pride and arrogance. Some people wear their tendencies toward certain attitudes on their face. You can tell exactly what somebody's thinking. You can tell exactly how they're responding. You know the people that I, I just, it, it not bothers me or bugs me, but I'm, I'm like, man, they got a good poker face. <laughs> They've got a good way of kind of just not showing their emotion. But I would say most of us show our emotion. A person's face expressions expresses much about him or her. Arrogance and pride seem to have a way of showing up on a person's face at exactly the wrong moment. It is impossible to miss the certain look of arrogant disdain on an individual's face. One thing is certain. You can have a good poker face if you want to, but pride shows. I said pride shows. You can tell when someone is prideful. You can tell when someone is arrogant. And we've got to be very careful as saved Christians, as apostolic Christians of the, of the, the name of Jesus Christ, we need to be very careful who we give glory to, what we give glory to. It's not the eyes and the me's. We need to be very, very careful. Any miracle that happens is not attached to a name of this earth. It has his name attached to it. Any, any good thing that happens in Apache Junction and the surrounding region doesn't have the pastor's name on it or, 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 or the music team's name on it or any preacher's name on it but it, or any prayer warrior's name on it, but it's going to have the name of Jesus applied. And so we need to be very careful. I, was, I found it very interesting how Brother Corbin uh, was, was wording. If you notice, the way he would word things when he would begin to talk about tens of thousands receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, he, he said, if, you know, I'm gonna remove that I and we, but the kingdom has seen tens of thousands feel with the Holy Ghost. The kingdom has. That was him being intentional about how he was referring to things. Surely he could say, I preached a message and 10,000 got the Holy Ghost. That's not relevant. The word of God was preached and tens of thousands received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not about me. It's not about who you are, miracles you've performed. What has he done? David referred to a proud countenance as the attribute of the wicked. And he blamed it for their oft exhibited an inability to seek God. Psalms 10.4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. Many people at this point in time will quote Solomon about right about now, around Proverbs 16.18, saying that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. But Solomon also offered a remedy to this dilemma with pride. He said in Proverbs 29 and 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Honor with true humility always wins over human pride. And the Bible talks about we need to honor, we give honor where honor is due. And so when we honor someone and it's in the will of God, that's all right. I think we need to honor 
leadership. I think we need to honor those who sacrifice, those who give, those who, those who are giving their time, talent, treasure where, where we can. We need, to, we need to do those things. But the Bible says, honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. When we honor with true humility, it'll win over human pride every time. Something we need to realize is that pride is truly from Satan. We've got to get, we've got to get over this spirit of pride because it is from Satan. Uh, an, an old preacher, Pastor T.G. McNeely, once preached a message called uh, Hell's Trophy Case. In the message, he observed that pride is one of Satan's primary tools for conquering souls. It's easy to succumb to the praises of people. Who does not want to be admired? Who doesn't want to be accepted? Who doesn't want to be honored? Who doesn't want their name mentioned? I mean, let's just be real. Some would say, well, I, I, I don't really want to be mentioned, but the moment that they're not mentioned, mm, I, 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 you know what? I don't need it. I don't need it. But then why didn't they mention this? That's right. What about me? Whether we want to admit it or not, that's pride. That's pride coming up. And should they have maybe said something? Perhaps. But that's not what it's about. Because at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, God keeps good books. I said he keeps good books. So he knows what you do and he knows what you don't do. What you do in secret, he knows. And he keeps good books. So it doesn't matter if someone of, of notoriety or someone of clout uh, does or does not mention your name. Uh, that's not what we're here for. When I get to heaven, that's when. That's when I'll be happy. And it really isn't even about the mansion. It's just being in the presence of the Lord for eternity. Praise God. Praise God. And so when my name's not mentioned, when I, perhaps what I did or what I accomplished uh, is not mentioned or even, or even, even recognized, uh, I'm going to crucify this flesh and I'm going to crucify this flesh uh, or this, this pride in my heart and my life and I'm going to say, you know what? To God be the glory. And by the way, what happens in secret, God will glorify in public. He'll he'll bring out both bad and good. John admonished the church in 1 John 2, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of of the world. In other words, lust and pride grow out of the system. They grow out of the system of this world and from the influence of the God of this world, Satan himself. That's where it grows. And it's interesting that lust and pride is used together. Lust and pride. This is not just lusting after another, someone of the opposite sex, but it's talking about lusting after this world. That is what, that, that's where pride really begins to rise up. And I could go down so many paths right here, but I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. But let me just tell you this, that we need to be very careful what decisions we make. Because they reflect our true humility. You know what? I'm going to go here. I'm, I'm just going to park here for just a moment. 
Because there are people, perhaps even in this very church, you could be somewhere else. You could be somewhere else, but you're here because God has called you here and placed you here. And I think God, I know God is, has, and will continue to honor you because of your humility and because of your willingness to be under the will of God. I was talking with a friend of mine that lives in an area in which I would not want to live. It's too cold. And I said, I couldn't do it. And he responded. He said, you couldn't do the will of God? And I said, well, thank you for checking my spirit. I mean, I was just joking. But, but is there something there? If, is there, is there, a, is there a, a, a truth to that joke where... Ah, man, I I wouldn't want to live there. Listen, if God wants me there, that's where I'm going to be. Because ultimately, I want to be in the will of God. It's not about me. I said it's not about me. And it's not about you. When we get upset about certain things, you know what that is? It's pride. When we get mad and we, we, we kind of storm off and we get our little attitude, that's pride. Because it's all about you, isn't it? It's all about what you're doing or not doing or or have done or somebody hurt you or somebody said this. It's not about them. It's about you. And that's pride. And it is from Satan himself. I'm going to tell you what. He'll use pride to divide a church. Well, I, I had my opinion. I had my thought. And they just completely dismissed my opinion and my thought. That's pride. Your, your, your idea may be the best idea. Their idea may be the worst idea. But hey, because we want to be unified, because we want to be peacemakers, we humble ourselves and we say, hey, let's do it. Let's go. And we don't do it with the attitude, well, when it fails, then we'll just laugh at them. Oh, it's quiet in here, but I'm telling you, this is stuff that we deal with. Because it's humanity. Well, I'm going to do it, but whenever it doesn't go the way I know, I know, I know it's not going to work. I know it's not going to work out. And so when it does, you know what? It'll be their failure. They'll be the one in the spotlight of failure. Come on. That's not the spirit of humility. That's the spirit of pride directly from Satan himself. We are peacemakers. We've got to create a church of unity where we love each other. We may disagree with, I may disagree with Brother Wasman, but hey, I've got to go to heaven with him, or I get to go to heaven with him. And so if, we got to, if we're going to go to heaven together, we better get along down here. Because we ain't going up there if we can't get along down here. I'm telling you, this is a real deal. This is a real thing. Pride is the source of a lot of our issues. Praise God. Satan consistently attempts to draw us away through worldly attractions and pleasures. However, mankind must not love the world system which fosters fleshly lust and pride and encounter to godly humanity. In the Garden of Eden, Satan hoped to rouse Eve's interest and appeal to her normal curiosity, make her feel deprived and awaken her pride within her spirit. And he used these words to her, you shall be as gods. Whew, I like that sound. I like that. That sounds good. What does the enemy talk to you about? Man, I could go through so many examples, but you've got to fill in the blank to your life. You know, you know what I'm talking about. We need to 
avoid self-exaltation. We need to avoid exalting ourselves. To the believers in Rome, Paul wrote this in Romans 12 and 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Someone once cautioned a haughty young man, don't hold your nose so high you may drown in the rain. Don't hold your nose so high. It's easy for an individual to become filled with ambition and self-importance. I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of sacrifice to the world that happens in the, uh, under the, the banner of ambition. I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyhow. In fact, you have to give me a minute, I'm going to pull it up because I didn't plan on talking about it. But God really began to talk with me the other day, and, and man, just really began to convict my spirit. And again, I, I talk to myself first and you second. But it's interesting to me how humanity will prioritize what impacts them now and or what they can see and deprioritize what they seemingly deem unimportant, less important, or no impact, or they cannot see it. It's the classic Adam and Eve scenario, right? Where we prioritize our jobs because it impacts us right now. If I don't go to work, I don't have a paycheck. If I, if I don't go to work consistently, I lose a job. But we can miss services like it's nothing. There's no, impact. There's no direct impact. One Sunday is not going to make an impact on my life. I beg to differ with you. That's your pride talking. Well, I've got to go make this. I've got to go do this. You need to be very careful what you prioritize. Because what you prioritize could send you to hell. Not only you, but your family. Oh, that's, that's hard preaching. But that's just the simple facts. It's the facts of life. We need to be very careful what we prioritize. Because what we prioritize shows where our pride or our, our humility really is. Because that's where our heart is. That's where our treasure is. And so we, we got to be careful about being so filled with ambition. Hey, I've got a business, and I want to see it. I want to see it grow, man. I would love for my my business to get to the point where I could sell it and then and retire early if I could. But you know what? I'm not going to sacrifice the kingdom of God for some worldly mammon that is going to pass away. And furthermore, I'm not going to sacrifice my family at the sake of a dollar. My word. Didn't plan on talking about this, but we got to talk about it. If there's anything important to be at, it's the things of God. This may not, this may not be for nobody here because you're here, but I'm putting it out there anyhow. Maybe it's for live stream. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what, we need to be very careful what we prioritize. As far as me, we're, priori we're prioritizing the things of God. Does that mean we have to sacrifice some things uh, in, in our regular life? Oh, absolutely we do. <laughs> absolutely there's some things we can't do. And you know what? Uh, when we get to heaven, it's going to be worth it all. I, I, I may look right now and say, man, I'd love to do this or I'd love to go here or I don't feel up to going there tonight. But when we get to heaven, we're going to turn around and say, thank God every time I went to church. Thank God for every prayer meeting. Thank God for every time we went to the fun, friends and fellowship. Thank God that I crucified this flesh 
And I crucified this pride in my heart, in my life. Men, we need to do this often. Because we sometimes use the excuse for providing for our family when really it's ambition, ungodly ambition baked into our spirit. We say, well, I've got to provide for the family. Yes, you've got to provide for the family. That is your job. That is your privilege. It's your honor, and it is a responsibility. But before you, providing for your family is more than just meat and potatoes. Providing for your family is also the, 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 the food that you can eat that's going to last for eternity. What about that? What about, the, what about your eternal soul? What about your children? What about your spouse? Well, let's move on. As they say, that didn't cost you anything. Praise God. A young child, about three years old, insisted on standing up on the seat in the pew during service, and several times his dad told him to sit down. Finally, out of frustration, he disciplined the child and firmly made his son to sit down. And the youngster then uh, plainly and loudly said, as the church got a little quiet, you know those moments where it's like really loud and it gets really quiet? Those moments, and he, the child said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside I'm standing up. I read that and I thought, man, isn't that just like pride? This is the picture of our self-will in human nature. We must war against the same spirit that caused Lucifer to attempt to ascend above the very throne of God and then later try to tempt the Son of God to worship Him. You say, oh, I would never do that. Okay, be very careful. Because we do that when we prioritize this world over God. Today, children, teens, adults alike experience pressure by peers, teens, and many others to grow their self-esteem. Numerous parents and individuals of our day buy into this idea that when uh, they take an extreme uh, opinion and opposes, it opposes the very principle of humanity. They prioritize ambition. They prioritize self-esteem. They prioritize all of these things, and it goes against the purpose and the principles of humanity, of humility. A person must have some measure of self-esteem. I get that. And I believe that everybody in here should have some level of ambition. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. I believe we need to teach our children. They need to be ambitious to the degree in which when it's time for them to get a job, you need to go get a job. Now, that's unpopular. but And I, and I haven't reached that level yet. So, you know, uh, don't crucify me just yet. But I'm sadly not too far away from it. But I can just tell you what I can, I feel like I will respond in the way in which I was taught to respond. At the age of 14, I had a job. Now, why did I have a job? I wanted money. I wanted to buy my own things. When me and Papa went to the flea market, I wanted to buy whatever I wanted to buy, and I wouldn't have to ask Papa or Mom for the money. There was some level of ambition. At age 16, thanks, Brother Call will help me start a little side business. And, and I was running a sign business and making signs for mortgage companies and, and, and making really good money. Plus, I was working uh, two other jobs, but I still came to church. In fact, one of my jobs scheduled me on a Sunday, and I said, I won't be here tomorrow. She said, yes, you will. You'll lose your job. I said, I won't be here tomorrow because it's church time. 
She said, well, you'll lose your job. I said, okay, well, I've already told you that I, I will not be here. Well, she called me. She said, where are you at? I said, I'm at church. Actually, she left a voicemail because I was in church. And she called. She said, well, you didn't show up. She said, don't, don't worry about coming in. Well, I think they had a good, <laughs> this is going to sound bad. I had a, a friend of an unsaved mother. <laughs> you get where I'm going? And she did not like the idea that I just was getting let go over missing service. So she called my boss and uh, gave her just a little piece. Next thing I know, I get a phone call. Hey, we'll see you Monday. <laughs> Praise God. Favor ain't fair. <laughs> Amen. So we need to have some level of, of ambition. I, I understand that. The person must have a measure of that to accomplish certain goals. But it is dangerous when it is left unchecked. And it is allowed to get out of balance. Unchecked ambition and overblown sense of self-worth plant seeds of disrespect, disobedience, and ultimately rebellion. Is everybody all right? I said it, 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 it grows rebellion. Once started with just, I got to go make this. I got to go do that. I got to go have this. I got to go. It, it starts to have rebellion. And now uh, you look back at the, at the individual and they're, they're completely backslidden because of pride, because of worldly ambition. Rather, a believer should pursue true humility and seek first the kingdom of heaven as Matthew 6.33 commands us to do. Only then can an individual understand his true or her true value, talents, and ultimately their worth. Jesus presented a, presented a parable concerning the difference between the prayer of the Pharisee and the publican. Directing the parable at Luke 18.9, certain which trusted in him themselves that they were righteous and despised others. The Pharisee was of the opinion that he was far superior to the publican. The Pharisee smugly prayed in 1811, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. Ooh, we need to be careful how we talk about those on the streets, those in lesser well, status than we are. Friend, I would just be I would be just like them if it weren't for the grace and mercy of God. It would be it, I, it, that would be me if it weren't for the mercy and grace of God. Jesus contra uh, contrasted this spirit of the Pharisee with that of the publican by giving a concise overview of the publican's prayer, verse thirteen. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, I." Me, a sinner. Oh, there, there it is. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Can I tell you, God blesses humility. I said, God blesses humility. We cannot earn or merit the blessings of God. Period. We cannot earn or merit the blessings of God. But it is possible to prevent God from blessing our lives through pride. And let me just say this. Just because you are successful doesn't mean that you're okay in the eyes of God. There's a lot of really successful people financially in this world. They're doing all right, but according to the word of God, they're not right in the eyes of God. Now, God's the judge. I'm not judging them. I'm just going to go based on the fruit in which we see. But I'm going to tell you, just because everything's flowing good in the pocketbook doesn't mean it's flowing good in the spirit. 
James wrote 1 Peter 5 and 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud. That word is catching me this morning. He resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. When we give unto the human inclination toward pride, we create a barrier between us and God. We literally build up a barrier between, between us and God. However, while humility cannot purchase the blessings of God, just because you're humble doesn't mean you're going to be rich and wealthy, but it opens and prepares us to receive His blessings. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. God has placed a high premium on humility. A high premium on humility. Certainly when the Roman centurion humbled him themselves and humbly approached Jesus Christ, he knew the master could answer his prayer. He didn't go to God and saying, you've got to do this because you did it for them. But Matthew, we read, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Think about that. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. He recognized his position. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and my servant do this, and he doeth it. Jesus marveled at the faith and humility of this Roman soldier, recognizing that Jesus had undeniable power over sickness. The centurion placed his faith in him completely. When we don't put our full faith in God, that's pride. You say, oh, that's just a lack of faith. No, it's pride as well. When we can put our faith more in man than we can in God, that is pride. Recognizing both Jesus' authority and power and presenting himself with obvious humility, the servant was healed. The Bible says that same hour, God rewards humility. And God's ways are a paradox. For Jesus to accomplish his mission, he had to die. Think about that. He died that we might have life. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus said, He that findeth his life shall lose it. That's a great paradox. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. The Apostle Paul understood this paradox when he told the believers in Philippi, Philippians 1, 21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To this world, it doesn't make sense. It's a paradox. But to the Lord, it makes a lot of sense. Further, Paul's message to the Corinthians, he promoted the need of continually reaching for humility by dying to his own self-interest when he said literally in 1 Corinthians, I die daily. My interest, I put in subjection to the will of God. My desires, I put under the will and subjection to the will of God. What I want to do, I put under the subjection to the will of God. Anything I do has to go through the filter of the will of God. Before I make a job change, it's going to go through the filter of the will of God. Before I sell a home, I'm going to go through the filter of the will of God. And to not do that 
is your pride speaking. It's your pride saying, I know better than God. I know better. Not not seeking godly wisdom is your pride saying, I know better than godly wisdom. Any decision, any major decision I've ever made in my life, I've talked with someone and I've asked them. Someone, most of the time it was Brother Caldwell. Hey, I want someone to gut check me. Is, Is it my pride that wants this? Or is it truly the will of God? I'm talking about job opportunities. Is this the will of God or is this my pride just wanting more money? I'm going to tell you what, I don't want to have a job that just has more money, but because if it's out of the will of God, friend, there's no money in this world that's going to make you happy. Out of the will of God, I'm telling you, it's just not the place you want to be. So we die daily. Even the idea of humility versus self-exaltation is a paradox. Matthew 21, 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he shall humble himself shall be exalted. And God hates pride, but he lifts up the humble. We find in Proverbs, and I'm, I'm almost finished. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. What do you think the first one is? A pride look. A pride Proud look. A proud look. God hates it. It's an abomination. But he lifts up the humble. We see throughout Scripture that the Lord is drawn to those who have a humble and contrite spirit. God always lifts up the humble. And let us just talk in closing what humility really does. And I want you to begin to self-examine your spirit as we begin to wind down this message this morning. Humility opens the door to allow the grace of God to operate within the life of you and I. 1 Peter 5, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Oh, there it is right there. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. We're going to break this apart just a little bit different as we did earlier. But first of all, humility reflects the spirit of Christ. Humility of heart and soul must flow from a person's innermost being. It is insufficient only way to present a convincing facade. You can have a convincing facade all you want to, but I'm going to tell you what, we're going to know. <laughs> I said, they're going to know. People are going to know. Visitors that come to this church, they're going to know. People you meet on the street, they're going to know. Actors learn over time how to project a desired image for acting purposes. The audience either laughs or cries depending on the front of the actor that he or she presents. But when it comes to humility, there is no such thing as a facade. People can identify a pride look, a proud look. They can identify it right away. And I'm going to tell you what it does is it turns people away from you. You no longer have influence with that person now because of that proud look. We must have a true heart of humility if we are to reflect Jesus Christ to our world. How wonderful it would be to live so much like Jesus Christ that when we see him face to face, it would be like looking in a mirror. Think about that. Secondly, humility presents a spiritual example for all 
all humanity. Genuine humility works in tandem with the fruit of the Spirit in us to showcase the power of Christ within us. There's a writer, Andrew Murray, Brother Wiseman, as you come, that wrote a book titled Humility. And in his writing, he stated this, It is easy to think we humble ourselves before God. People humble themselves before God. Even some of the rottenest sinners believe there is a God and are very careful what they say in a church or around those certain believers. They'll curse, they'll all, all they want, but when they get around a Christian, they'll change their vocabulary because there's still some level of respect and fear of the things of God. It's easy to think that we humble ourselves before God, he said, yet humility toward men will be the only sufficient proof that our humility before God is real. It will, only be, it will be the only proof that humility has taken up its abode in us and become our very nature that we actually, like Christ, have made ourselves of no reputation. Humility presents a spiritual example for all humanity. Can we stand? We can humble ourselves before God, but what about the one that's sitting next to you? Here in just a few weeks, we're going to have foot washing and communion. Now I know the flesh does not desire to wash someone else's feet. And we can joke about it all we want to. But if we get really get down to the root of it, Jesus himself washed his disciples' feet. And everything within his spirit, I believe, did it willfully. It was, I choose, I desire. Did he have to do it? Probably not. But to him, he had to do it. Because I choose humility over pride any day of the week. I will humble myself. I'm going to tell you where your pride or your humility will really shine when you're given the opportunity (laughs) to forgive somebody because they've just made you upset. That's where your pride or your, your humility will really shine through. Whenever you have to lower yourself into subjection to not just God, but to your brother and to your sister. That's when humility really shines. We come to this altar, kneel all we want to. But what about preferring our brother and preferring our sister? Lastly, humility wins God's favor. We spoke about God's favor last week. The Bible says the Lord lifts up the meek and he casts down the wicked. He makes inquisition for blood. He remembereth them. He forgetteth not to cry the cry of the humble. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor of life. Isaiah, the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Blessed are the meek for they shall 
inherit the earth. But he giveth more grace, as we read. Wherefore he saith, God resist the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Can we lift our hands right now? Can we begin to examine our lives as we open these altars? You would think that after talking about pride and talking about humility, that there'd be no person under the sound of my voice that would not want to find a place to pray, not because of what I did or perhaps didn't do, but just because of the fact that each and every one of us deal with this concept of pride. God, God, I submit myself to the will of you. I submit my my will and I put it into subjection to the will of God. God, I submit my ambition to the things of God. I submit my self-worth to the things of God. I will give you glory and give you honor. I will be careful. I will be very careful to exalt myself among men. For it is not me, but it is you that lives within me that gives the ability, that gives the strength, that has given favor, that has given mercy, that has given grace. God, in your name, Jesus. Come on, can somebody begin to cry out to the Lord right now? Either we're going to deal with our pride or God will deal with our pride. One way or the other, we're going to be humbled. You can either do it at an altar or you can do it through a circumstance. But God is trying to tell somebody, if you'll just humble yourself right now, you can avoid a whole lot of hurt, a whole lot of problems. Jesus.